Hey guys, Mark Kenyon here, and welcome to another episode of the 100% Wild Podcast, and this is the audio version, obviously, of that podcast. And today on the show, me and Matt tackle a listener-submitted question about tree stands, and we, we, we speak to that specific question regarding kind of the right stand for portable, mobile, public land hunting, but then we dive into kind of a whole bunch of different thoughts we have on different tree stands, which types are great for some situations, which types are better for other situations, and lots, lots more. So I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to kick it right over to that previously recorded conversation. Enjoy. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the 100% Wild Podcast. I'm Mark Kenyon with Wired to Hunt. With me, uh, after a long time away, we got Matt Drury over in Missouri. How are you, man? I'm good, brother. There's a lot that's happened since uh, the end of December when we last did one of these. We were just talking. I can't believe it's been so long. Time just kind of flies, and uh, and here we are. It's February already. Yeah, so, you know, let's let's start right out of the gate with the big news. Congratulations on the birth of your son. Let's let's Thank hear you. some details, the emotions, <laughs> feelings. It's pretty crazy, isn't it, man? Yeah, it's nuts. You know, um you and all my other friends that have had kids have always told me, "Oh, it's going to be this huge life-changing thing. Everything's different. Um, you know, get ready for hunting and all these other passions of yours to be knocked down a few rungs." And I was always like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, sure." Um <laughs> But it is pretty incredible. As soon as you know, I I held him and saw you know it, this this life that I brought into the world with my wife. It's just it's just wild. I still just find myself just like staring at him while he's sleeping and just being like, wow. Yeah, um, I remember those first few few weeks. It's like we spent so much time just staring at our sleeping yeah. son. It's like, oh my gosh, what do we do with him now? <laughs> yeah, that, me, it, it only gets funner, man. Yeah. It only, you know, right now there's just not much you're feeding them and changing them and watching them sleep. But man, as they get older, it, it gets a lot more fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for Yeah. There's so many things to be excited about. And I just keep on trying to remind myself, like still try to enjoy just this moment though, you know, enjoy him as a two week old because that'll be gone and you'll never get it back again. Um, so yeah, I'm enjoying staring at him while he sleeps right now, but definitely looking forward to when he's like, I keep on asking my wife. I'm like, so when's he, when can he hold his head up, or when can he look? Can, when can he actually <laughs> see me? Um, when can he sit up? I I have no idea. I don't know about anything. So I feel like I'm just so There's an ignorant. App for that, by the way, I'll I'll let you know off air. There's an app for that. <laughs> All right, we're gonna check that out. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's lots to learn, but uh, but so far so good. I mean, we've been really blessed. He's healthy and uh, seemingly happy. Um, his name's Everett. He's two weeks old now. He came he came two weeks early. So he today actually today is his due date. He was wow. supposed to be here today, and uh, he came here two and a half weeks early. So crazy. We we're just really lucky that uh, he was healthy and good to go, and it kind of worked out because when when my wife finally gave birth to him, the doctor said you know, wow, if he went full term, you never would have been able to give birth. Like you wouldn't have been able to do this naturally because he was already too big as he was. Yeah. Um, he was eight, two, wow. two and a half oh. weeks early. Holy cow. And that That's was, a, yeah. And it was a struggle for my wife just given that situation. So if he made it to, you know, two weeks later, it could have been a whole nother ball of wax. So 
Yeah. Well, congratulations, man. It's exciting. I'm happy for you. I appreciate it. And now you're going to be stuck with me asking you parenting tips. So watch out for that. Well, maybe that's a whole new podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I've been finding between this and and the Wired Hunt podcast, I feel like there's going to be a lot more dad talk. Yeah, Um, dad hacks. (laughs) Exactly. So that's either going to be a great thing for fellow dads listening or it's going to be like the bane of all the other listeners who don't have kids. (laughs) Let me tell you, it's the bane of all the other listeners because when I was a guy, without kids like I always my buddy that had kids my cousin Justin or whoever I'm like just meet us out let's just do this let's just do that uh it's I feel I apologize to all of those guys now for uh-huh. all of those times I was like you're such a pansy just come out let's have a beer I know it just doesn't happen anymore <laughs> <laughs> I was exactly the same so I definitely can now relate a little bit better stuff uh stuff definitely changes but uh I, I, think- I hated it because we missed you. We missed you at the uh, ATA show. So that's, you know, you were, we were going to get together for a few beers there. Yeah. It, it began already, even before he was born. It's true. <laughs> so. It's true. Lots of, lots of changes. Would the show season go well for you guys though? It did. It did. It was, um, so for me, you know, and I don't know that the industry really talks about this openly, you know, but that's kind of what our podcast is about. Some of the inside details, you know? So for me, I felt like, and, and we talked about it with several of our partners, ATA show this year was really, really slow from a foot traffic standpoint. Hmm. Um, a lot of cool products, a lot of neat, you know, not a lot of neat things going on, but in general, um, it was pretty dead there at the trade show floor. And it, it might've been because there was supposed to be a huge ice storm coming through and it really didn't yep. happen quite like they had predicted it weather wise, which is kind of what always happens. Um, so that might've scared some, some people off, but it was interesting cause you know, obviously as you know, our industry's going through real tough tough patch right now in the archery industry in general and um you know it's a it's a serious deal like we need to bring new eyeballs into the sport we need to bring uh women and and youth and you know uh non-believers so to speak and in, into what we're doing and it was uh, not a overly great sign um but that being said there's a new president there the ata uh that that's exciting we look to see what kind of um, new ideas that he brings to the table and um conversely going to shot show it was busier than i have ever seen it and it's huh. always packed i mean i don't know have you ever been to that show i have it's just a zoo it, it's insane i mean you literally wouldn't be able to walk all of the show floor probably in a two-day stretch i mean it's it's incredible how big it is and it seemed busier than ever and and the same thing like we're we're during a period here where like guns and ammo sales are way down you know it's it's based on usually it's based on the the um party that's in office and since we have a republican party in office and we feel pretty good about our second amendment rights right now um it's like, hey, you know, we don't need to buy all this it's stuff. Quite, but it's quite, the, quite an irony. <laughs> it is. It is quite the irony. But yeah. that being said, the, the trade show was an incredibly packed, busy. I mean, you couldn't hardly walk through there. So it was exciting to see that type of energy. But it was interesting to see, conversely, the two shows two weeks apart, three weeks apart or whatever it is, a week apart and uh, see the difference of, you know, how many people attended. So, um I don't know. It, it was interesting from that standpoint. But as far as new products and those types of things, I mean, there was a lot of cool stuff at both shows. So um, it was all good. Yeah, I, I kind of followed along, you know, online, seeing what everyone was posting and everything. And 
part of me was like, I was definitely bummed to miss out on just like reconnecting with buddies and, and seeing people like you that I don't get to see otherwise and getting to catch up in person. Uh, and then part of me, you know, I do enjoy getting to see some of the new gear, but also sometimes it's a little overwhelming. It's also a little much. And so I almost didn't miss part of that. I was like, you know what? It's, it's always kind of like you just come out of those shows just so burnt out. And it's just, at least for me, it's just oh. like this overwhelming madness of business and gear and everything. Yeah. And so a small part of me was like, you know what? It was kind of nice to step away from that for just a little bit. Um, but I'll be excited to get back next year. Yeah, for sure. You know, for us, it's like ATA is just packed and it's it's good for us because we get all of our business. Like we're not really just walking around. I mean, we yeah. we there's not an ounce of our day, minute of our day that isn't accounted for scheduling wise. I mean, I've, I have all that set set up ahead of time. So, I mean, we'll get rolling, whatever, nine and nine thirty. And, and we have meetings our meetings basically all day, even through lunch, you know, we have lunch meetings and it lasts till about five 30. Then you have a dinner, you know, with a sponsor at about six 30 that lasts three hours. So by the time the, the, that two week period of trade shows is over, I'm pretty much mentally exhausted because we have a pretty big presentation that we give as well of, Hey, here's where we've been, you know, in the previous years, here's, here's our numbers, our digital numbers. Here's our plan of attack. Oh, and here's what we're doing in 2018 and beyond. And mm -hmm. we had a, we have a couple pretty cool projects that we're working on internally in the office right now. And we can get to that at another time. But anyways, it just, it, it's a lot to give those presentations to every partner, you know, basically six presentations a day for mm -hmm. four days or three days and do that two times two weeks in a row and it gets it gets old real quick yeah yeah and, and it's it's those moments like those where you're like just put me back in a tree stand right i just wish i was hunting again mark and terry i mean you know i hate to say this but they hate them you know anymore <laughs> yeah. because they just they usually don't leave their farms for four months at a time so all of a sudden they're going from this very sterile uh outside environment to like the cold and flu season where you're all stuck in a building and you're shaking everyone's hands. Mm -hmm. And I guess we're all germaphobes anyway. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, like they're just like, man, shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, on that note, then, uh, I think that's probably a good time for us to switch over back to the sterile <laughs> environment of talking yeah. hunting again. Let's do instead it. Of show season. So yeah. Question of the day, right? And, and actually our question today is not an audio question. We've got to write in, um, so I'm going to summarize this uh, as best as I can. And this question comes from Steve N. I don't remember what his last name was, but start with an N, I think. Apologies. And uh, and Steve said that he, you know, he grew up hunting, doing some uh, hunting from the ground, doing some deer drives, that kind of stuff. But he's taking up archery hunting. He wants to figure out some different options for tree stands. And he mentioned that he'd looked at um, he'd looked at some of the different things I'd been posting on Wired to Hunt. And it's seen that I've written a lot about using portable hang-on stands, but he was curious to hear if I had any thoughts on using climbing stands or any other good portable lightweight options for kind of mobile hunting on public land. So that being the question, Matt, I was thinking I can give a few thoughts on the whole portable mobile tree stand setup since I use a lot of that on public yeah. land or some of these different private farms I hunt. Um, but then maybe we can just talk through both of our different thoughts on all the different tree stand options that we use. Cool. Sounds so, good, man. So I'll tackle first his direct question. He was curious about my thoughts on climbing stands versus hang-on stands. And um, so here's my perspective on it. I've used both. I have a climb, climbing stand. I use the Lone Wolf Hand Climber. Um, I also have a lot of the 
portable hang-on stands with climbing sticks. And the climbing stands are nice because they're super, at least the one I have, it's very lightweight, it's very easy to use, it's very portable. Um, those are all great things about it. My issue with climbing stands is the fact that you are limited in the trees that you can go into. So if you're using a climbing stand, you basically need to find a telephone pole tree. You need a tree that doesn't have a bunch of limbs sticking out of it in order for you to shimmy up to it. Um, that's kind of hard to find sometimes in some places, especially when you're trying to be in the exact right place to kill a deer with archer equipment. You know, when you're, when you're bow hunting, you need to be in the right spot. You know, being kind of in the right spot lots of times isn't going to do it. You need to be in the right tree. And if that perfect tree is not perfect for a climbing stand, you're out of luck. So because of that, I prefer using the portable hang-ons with climbing sticks because I can get into any tree. Um, I want to have that ultimate flexibility no matter what trees I have. I want to be able to get into it. And the other thing is that lots of times those telephone pole trees that you can use a climber with, given the fact they're telephone poles, that means they have no cover. There's no branches that are going to break up your outline and give you that cover you need in a tree. Um, so you're hanging out to dry basically when you're up in a climber. And so if, if you're going to do that, and I do this sometimes still, but if you're going to do that, you want to get up pretty darn high. Uh, at least the places that I'm hunting here in Michigan, these deer, they look up. They're constantly looking up. They're so aware of hunting pressure and the fact that there's so many hunters and trees around here that they are going to be scanning up and around. And if you're just hung out there with nothing around you, they're going to spot you. So I like the hang-on stands. You can get very lightweight ones now because this mobile hunting thing is, is such a popular um, strategy these days. A lot of tree stand companies now are focusing on developing really lightweight, easy-to-use, portable hang-on stands. So I've used stands from Lone Wolf, from Muddy, from Hawk, um, and there's a lot of other great options out there, kind of a personal preference thing. Um, but you can get a stand. You know, my hang-on stands are, I usually try to be in like 11 to 12-pound um, region and then get climbing sticks. So you got sticks that, you know, three or four sticks that are about, they've got three steps on each one of these sticks and you, you strap into the tree as you go up. And if you if you practice with them, if you get the hang of how to use them and, and make sure you're prepared once the season arrives, you can get up into a tree by hanging each one of these sticks with a lineman's belt around the tree while you're shimming it up. And then you pull up the tree with a rope, or excuse me, you pull up the tree stand with a rope and you can have that whole thing up in the tree in, you know, five minutes. Um, you know, if, if I'm on my game, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine minutes, something like that, I can be all set up and ready to go in a brand new spot in any kind of tree I want to be in with those setups. So, you know, lots of good options. My personal favorite is the Lone Wolf Assault with the Muddy uh, Pro, oh gosh, I think it's the Muddy Pro Climbing Sticks, I think is what they're called. They've got this rope cam system, so it's just a, it's a rope that you wrap around the tree and then you cinch into this cam system on one side, and it's really easy, it's really quiet, there's no buckles that bang around. Um, so that's probably my, my favorite, but there's a bunch of others that work great too and I've used it a lot. So I really tend to use those portable setups a lot. Um, one other portable lightweight option to consider, and this is something I'm actually going to be buying one of these this year and trying it out, is a tree saddle. Um, I've never used one before, but I've heard from a number of guys that are just absolute mature buck killers consistently all the time that love this kind of setup. I don't know if you've, if you've heard of this at all, Matt. Um, but basically, this is a kind of a climbing harness type thing that allows you to get up in the tree where you want to be. So you use screwing pegs or climbing sticks to get up where you want to be. And then you attach um, 
I don't know what you'd call it. You attach essentially a, a strap to the tree, and then you hook into this thing where you're in a harness leaning off of the tree in a saddle, and then you're able to maneuver around the tree whatever direction you need to be in, um, spin around the tree if you need to, and basically you've got this portable tree stand type of thing, but it weighs next to nothing. You wear it when you walk out to the to the tree that you want to hunt, and um, you can get in and out of new spots really easily, very quietly, with no need to set up a tree stand at all. So that's something I'm going to test out this year. Um, yeah, I've seen those. I'll be interested to see what you say because um, <clears throat> for me, I, I'm always worried, which to me it's like it looks like a hammock. You're basically in a hammock. To an extent, right? Kind of like, like you're sitting upright in it, but yes, it's kind of yeah, like a sitting upright hammock. I don't have the coordination ability to, <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to sit there and not be just going in circles the whole time. <laughs> yeah, we're going to see. That might be an issue for me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I mean you, you touched on most of the main points there. I mean for us, our setup's a little different. It, we can't be as mobile obviously because we're always two guys in a tree. So – um, you have to be cognizant of that. And even, you know, for those of you guys out there that like to film, um, you know, there's a pretty standard way to, 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 to a, a two man set as well. Um, so we like the lock ons a lot. Of course, Mark and Terry have kind of graduated to the point where they're using a ton of box blinds and that's, that's just, there's a lot of factors in that. There's the amount of time that they spend outdoors, you know, um, there's, terrain issues it's the camera equipment issues it's their age to an extent you know just getting older and wanting to be um, more secure and safe and so anyways I, I still prefer a lock-on but um, you know you got to prepare ahead of time when you got a camera guy and and two sets and all that stuff now that's not to say you can't still go on and hang and hunt based on some new movement or sign that you're seeing during the season um, I know tons of guys that do that and and, and film um, it's just, you gotta be really quiet when you have two sets of, um, you know, stands. And then of course the, the ladders or the, the steps or whatever you use. Um, and of course we're, we're sponsored by muddy. So, you know, that's the only products that I've used for the last, it was big game and then muddy. It, it's probably been close to 10 years maybe. Uh, so, um, one of the stands, what I like the most though, I like a bigger stand on those lock-ons because the one thing that you don't want, especially if like in this guy's case, he's used to hunting off the ground, you're going to want to feel comfortable. So I, I understand that he's packing in and it's public land and like I don't have the experience on that side like you do, but I will say like you better practice on, you know, in your backyard if you can yeah. or wherever before you do it because you're going to get a sense of – um you know, if you've never hunted out of a tree before, you know, you, you just better practice ahead of time. And I would I wouldn't think that going up in a climber for the first time ever to, to go hunt out of a tree is your necessarily best way to go. Um, and maybe it is, but I would think you'd want to stand that gives you a little more width and and length. So when you're shuffling around, you know, boot, boots or, or whatever, you know, those big rubber boots or whatever you're wearing, you know, that's it. it you just got to be really careful. So first of all, make sure you're wearing some sort of safety device, yeah. a harness, a lineman's belt, whatever it is. Um, but I'd say secondly, you know, like for me, I prefer the bigger stand because when the action's happening and you're looking around, like the last thing I care to, I, I don't want to worry about if I'm about to step off the edge of this thing or not, or, or because you, you really got to worry if you feel like it's a weird thing when you're up in a tree like that 
and like part of your foot is off the edge or whatever, but you're not expecting it and you're not looking at it, you know, you're looking somewhere else. It totally throws your equal equilibrium off for whatever reason. Just even if, if there's some stands out there that there's like, um, bars, you know? And so there's like an inch maybe in between each bar and say you just like step on that part and it's just a weird, uneasy feeling, even though you're safe or whatnot. So I don't know for me, if, if it were me, I'd go with a larger stand, uh, something that you can still pack in or whatever, but I'd be careful. You know, I'd just be super careful and practice ahead of time, especially if you've never done it before. Um, you know, we, we have the luxury of, being able to put up some ladder stands cause it's a lease, you know, situation for me. So I, I know that I can leave it up if I wanted to for the season or whatever. Um, um, disclaimer though, you are supposed to take those stands down. I think the guidelines say like 14 days after the season or after you've used it last, you're supposed to take it down within 14 days every time. Um, but, but my point is a ladder stand gives you a lot of comfort. Um, I mean, you can feel really safe in a ladder stand. That's not to say you can't have an accident, but for whatever reason, it just feels a little bit safer. So I don't know for me, the, the point of this podcast would be more of a, Hey, just get comfortable with what you're doing before you go out and do it for the first time in the dark, you know, in the rut and, and, you know, try to figure all this stuff, stuff out for the first time, because it won't go like you thought it would. (laughs) Yeah. that's a that's a really good point. I think, uh, yeah. For if, if you've not hunted from a tree stand before, that is such such great advice because you're right. I think the first time you're up in, especially if you're trying, like you said, up in a climber or a small portable, that it, that would be a really uncomfortable experience. Um, especially especially the stuff I just recommended, like both the climber I recommended and the portable hang on I recommended are the smallest ones yeah. out there. And yeah. I. That's what you need for when you're packing way in there, you know, right? But um, you got to be careful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's something I've had a lot of experience with, and I'm really comfortable with it now, and I like the really small, lightweight stuff. But I know a lot of people that, that they wouldn't like that, and especially if you're beginning, I think that's a great point um, to use something you're comfortable with, and the practice thing is huge. You need to make sure you're comfortable doing that way ahead of time. Um now, as for permanent setups or, or, you know, more permanent setups on a place, you know, let's shift away from public land and just talk more yeah. generally now. If, if you're hunting your own place, to your point about ladder stands, you know, I haven't hunted a ladder stand in almost a decade. Um, and then this past year, I got one to try out, and I threw it up and didn't really think much about it. I was like, well, I might as well use it since I have it. So I hung it up in this spot, and when I went to hunt it during the rut, first time I went to the stand, I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is like I feel like I'm sitting in a lazy boy chair. This is the most comfortable laid back I've been hunting in years. <laughs> this is really nice. Um, so I could get used to that. I can see the benefits to just having a nice bigger platform and very stable and comfortable. And like you said, there's something about it that just makes it feel a little bit more, um, I don't know, just comfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have to watch. In my experience, I've seen you have to watch for some amount of popping you know, as you climb up the ladder, um, not all of them, uh, you know, and it, and there too, it depends, you know, how long you've used it or whatever. And, you know, if you keep putting it out every year, but the, the popping is usually what I don't like about a ladder stand. Now, the other part I do like about a ladder ladder stand, a lot of them have the, it's not convenient for bow hunters, but if you're a gun hunter, you know, it, it's got the, um, I don't know, it's a bar basically that goes in front of you and it's perfect for you know you you can lean it against that thing and get a, sh- a shot pretty much anywhere you want 
you know, because if you're gun hunting out of a, and I've had to do this, if you're gun hunting out of, say, a lock-on, you more or less, unless you got limbs or screw in in the right spot to give you a good anchor, I mean, it's tough to just come up and freehand on the fly when a deer is running through the timber or whatever the case may be. So you, then you got to think, okay, do I need a trigger stick or yeah. some sort of, you know, whatever, a, a, an actual stick or anything to help prop the gun up. Uh, so you got to kind of think through that too. You know, if you're a gun hunter and you're wanting to hunt in the timber, a uh, ladder stand might be the way to go, you know, or if you have kids or, or, or you're getting a little older or whatever the case may be. So there's really a lot of factors to it and it's all personal preference really. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. I'll add one more thing. You you touched on the popping noises you can get with a ladder stand. Yeah. That also applies to the metal climbing sticks that you can get. You know, that like they'll come in like five pieces that you put together and strap them yeah. to the tree, you know, fully connected. Yeah. Um, that's a popular way a lot of people get into their hang on lock on stands. And I've got a handful of tree stands with those and they're nice because you strap them on there, it's easy to get up. Um, but the issue is that, yeah, those joints can pop and make noises. And every year I find myself climbing into a tree and just like cringing, like, oh, God, please, no, don't make that creaking noise or whatever. So I need to figure out a better way this year to try to address that up front. Does. And it's always the quietest, most still rut morning when you're in the deepest part of your timber and it uh, <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> I don't know what I got to do, but but I got to figure out how to grease those things or something so that I don't get those noises. Um, here's a hack for you. One thing that dad had showed me a long, long time ago, and this isn't necessarily as much, it probably would work the same way, but, um, if this was more for once you're in the set and sometimes lock ons can pop a little bit mm-hmm. when you're weak or whatever the case may be. Um, just cause frankly, there's a lot of metal on metal there. Um, Having some sort of liquid, like back in the day when we used to carry our sprays a lot of times with us in, in the stands, like a, a scent-free spray or something, you could it, – it almost acts like a WD-40 kind of a deal. Hmm. And you could spray you know, those problem areas are – he carries a liquid, and I forget now what it is, but he actually carries a little small tube of, of this liquid that doesn't smell or anything like that, and he'll actually – you know, put a little bit on the problem areas. If it's happening, you know, you're sitting there for an all day set and it's just, you know, mid morning when it gets slow and it's like, all right, I got to fix this thing. So, you know, you could do a couple things. I mean, you could kind of re try to re set it a little bit. I mean, there's ways to lean yourself up against a tree and kind of pull the stand up and kind of reset it. Mm-hmm. That's works. Um, but also that little bit of liquid, uh, um, some sort of, you know, where, whether it's graphite or something like that, that, that helps to deaden that sound just like a WD 40 would, but without the smell, you know? Yeah. T- if you can, if you can remember, ask your dad what that is. I'd be curious to hear what he specifically uses. Cause I could, I've got a handful of my stands that I keep up, you know, I have in the same place most years, um, where the, the, what am I trying to say? The seat, when you try to lift the seat up or put it yes. down, that thing creaks like I'll get out. So you find that I'll get into it, and I'm like, okay, if I put this seat down, I can't move it again. Yeah. So I'm going to be stuck with the seat down. And lots of times if I'm trying to position for a shot, I like the seat up, and I can stand up tight to the tree yeah. and maneuver. So there was one in particular where I was like, okay, 
I, I tried it once. It was so loud. I finally decided, all right, I'm just going to have to stand the entire time because I'm not going to find my – I don't want to have a deer come in and then try to move this seat and then screw it all up. So I had to stand for five hours, um, and I, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. I'll find out, and, and we'll talk about it on another podcast at some point. But it, it, it wasn't anything like, oh, my gosh, that's brilliant. It was just like something super simple yeah. you know, that he just carries in his pack that – you know, one of the, that's one of those old man life hacks that <laughs> figured it out after. After, you know whatever how many ever years of hunting i hope so, it i hope it turns out to be like a spray bottle of like i can't believe it's not butter or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> or it's just water yeah. <laughs> no, I, it's something i i know that I, some guys do use like a graphite that's not what he uses though i'll find out okay interesting so. um you know the one uh, one other thing i would add to this whole conversation because we talked about the creaky uh sticks that you put together the metal sticks which work great but can be noisy excuse me, their screw-in steps then are a really nice quiet alternative to that um, because once you get them in there, then it's completely silent going up and down the tree. Um, But you do need to worry about, you know, number one, some people say that that can hurt the health of a tree. I've seen plenty of trees that seem to be just fine, and those things have been in them forever, but you hear that. Um, You also, if you don't adjust those consistently, they'll get grown into the tree. Um, and then you'll lose more and more and more of that step till eventually you're stuck with like an inch and a half of step sticking out of the tree and you can't hardly get up into it. So you want to stay up on that. And then finally, you know, we heard about what happened with, um, with Terry this past year. You want to be really careful to make sure those things are safe too. Yeah. So, you know, in that instance, the tree had rotted, there was a, um, wind, uh, stress fracture there. Um, and it had rotted out, basically cracked right where the screwing was and it rotted out right around there and you know we don't use those steps hardly ever anymore um and uh, just so happened that set had it but you know that the, the the other worry that you didn't mention is god forbid you do have a fall um back in the day i'm talking like in the 90s uh you know and, and when those were pretty prevalent you the old saying was it was a gut hook, oh, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, if you do have an accident, like those are ways that you could get caught up pretty, pretty badly. And another, another way is like, I've heard horror stories about it getting caught in a ring finger, mm. you know, and under the ring and, and doing some damage there. So, you know, those that, and I'm not, we're not like recommending or saying anything on this podcast. Like, you know, you need to re- read up on the guidelines that come with every tree stand. You yes. know, there's an amount of time that they want them out there. You're supposed to be tethered to the tree at all times, whether it's a lineman belt or, or whatever your system is. I mean, it's got to be really safe and more than anything, that, that's, that's what I think we need to, to you know, to, to get across. So yeah. just be really careful. Yep. Very, very good point. I think more and more people are starting to use the um, the safety lines, essentially that are keep you attached all the way from the ground all the way into your tree stand. And I think that's a it's a really really important thing to do um, that uh, that I've become more and more aware of and trying to get more and more of my sets set up that way. And and if you haven't tried one, like a lot of guys are like, I just you know I don't want to get caught up in it going up or coming down. Like once you get used to it, it it actually like. 
it, it almost goes back to long time ago. We used to hunt with safety belts, you know, the, the little belt. And I can't believe looking back, that was what we felt like was safe, you know, and, and it's just because that's what was available. Right. And then, you know, it's like, man, when you got the harness, it's like, ah, this is a big bulky thing, but it really isn't, you know, once you get used to it, it really like, it's almost like a seatbelt. The guys out there that drive a vehicle without a seatbelt, you know, it's like, ah, I don't need a seatbelt. But once you like in these vehicles now where it's automatic and you got to put it on or it dings you to death <laughs> and you start wearing a seatbelt and it's like, I, I almost don't feel safe without a seatbelt. Yeah. That's how it is with safety belts in a tree stand or our safety harnesses are yeah. are clicking into a, a, a lifeline or a safe line going up. Like once you do it, it's almost like I can't believe I used to not do it. And yeah. I've got buddies that I've given – some stuff too that are hunters that don't do it, you know, on TV or anything like that. It's just friends of mine where I'm like, Hey man, you really should try this out. And I give them, you know, an extra that I had or whatever. And they, they all tell me, it's like, man, I can't believe I used to do it without it, you know? So yeah. just try it out. I think you'd be surprised if you never have tried it before. Yeah. It's just not worth the risk. I mean, it, the, you make one mistake and it could be the end for your hunting, for your life, for, for, you know, it's just not worth it. So nope. gotta be safe. So, yeah. I think that's a, probably a good place to end. Be yeah, safe. That's what I was thinking. I think that's a perfect place to wrap up. So with that said, I guess I'll give my, my final parting remarks that we usually do. Um, if you want to make sure you get this on your phone or your tablet every week when we have new episodes, make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher. And if you want to send in a question for a future episode, you can go to warriorhunt.com slash 100% wild. And uh, Matt? As always, you can view this podcast if you're currently listening to it. You can view it over on the Jury Outdoors YouTube channel. And while you're there, check out the content. We did over 100 original um, DOD TV episodes last year. That's in addition to how many podcasts that we did. I think we did like something in the mid-40s. Yeah. Uh, the podcast and Killing the Kitchen. And we do Throwback Thursdays. And I mean, it's just a ton of great content there. Uh, all short form for the most part. Um, so check it out while you're there. And as always, you can follow us on social media at Drury Outdoors on all the major sources. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for listening and watching. Peace.